your word is true, your heart is joy, your per personhood is joy. It, it's not even something that you give, it like is who you are. We invite you into our lives and many things, all things that you are, invested in our hearts, in our lives, in our soul, and in our spirits. So much worth, of worth more than anything in the world, our relationship with you. And Jesus summed it up. He actually called that to know you, said that to know you is eternal life. Not life later, not after we die, not eternity and eternity, but right now, eternal life, right now, you, us, together, as a church and individually. We praise you this morning. Lord, as we finish up this little series from Vacation Bible School, I pray you would be glorified this morning. Raise our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our spirits to you, even as we bow down to the glorious truth of your magnificent love to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's do a review, right? So five days, Monday through Friday. This is week number five. Can you believe it? Week number five. Day number one. What was the theme for day number one? God made you, right? God made you. The theme verse from that, uh, that day was actually Psalm 139. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. So every week I've been asking this. He made everything out of nothing. He made everything out of nothing, including you and me. He was, he was involved when we were created. He wasn't a part. He didn't just set creation in motion. He's been engaged from the very beginning and present for those who actually can see and recognize his fingerprints. And they are all over the place. All right, day number two. Day number two. God is for you. Let's say it together. Ready? God is for you. And that's right out of Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? That was the day we talked about the fact that the greatest barrier between us and God that God had to overcome was his love for his son. His love for his son from everlasting to everlasting, the uncreated father and son and spirit, and his love for his son laying him down on the cross that it was the father that took the son, grew the seed, actually nurtured that seed that grew into the tree that he knew human hands would cut down, fashion into a cross, that he would take his son to that cross and sacrifice him. And because of his love for you and me, he would sacrifice it. And if he can overcome his love for his son, how much more will he give us everything else? Everything else other than, you know, after Jesus is all just little things. Our forgiveness, our righteousness, they're humongous to us, infinite to us, but his love for his son. If God is for you, then who can be against us? Day number three, God is always with you. This is when we talked about the story about Joshua, where he said, look it, I am going with you into the land. You guys have been in, in wandering for 40 years, but I'm going with you, so I want you to be strong and to be courageous. And we looked at that verse from Jesus in the Great Commission that said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the very end of the world. So I want you, my church, who's following me, to be strong and courageous and take my gospel to every ethnic group 
in the world, regardless of how difficult it is, and know that I am with you even until the end of the age. And then we looked even at the future where one day God is going to make his dwelling place among men and the city will be called Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. We're not even going to be, a, you know, we're so excited about the eclipse coming up and stuff. We're not even going to need that. The sun, the very brilliance of light and life is actually going to dwell in the city. The Bible actually says we won't even need the sun. We won't even need the sun because of his dwelling with us. Day number four, last week, God will always love you. Your unfailing love will last forever. And so last week we looked at the essence of God's love, that Jesus himself loves us from everlasting to everlasting, a love that he lavishes upon us, and thus he, the Son, in accordance with the Father's will and plan, gave his life willingly, not just for a a group of people in general, but specifically for you and for me. And that no one took his life. The nails did not take his life. The spear did not take his life. The tree did not take his life. He had received a command from the Father to willingly lay down his life and then to take it back up again. And he did both of those things, of which that we sing about, talk about, read about, pray through and worship in, raised to life because of his love for you and me. And then today we're looking at day five, that God made us for a reason. Famous verse. We pull this one out of our wallets all the time. You know, we're like, whoa, there it is. Jeremiah 29, 11. I actually can't, I have a hard time actually not having the second part of this verse actually up on the wall, but here it is. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And so today we're looking at, okay, if God made us, if God is for us, if he's always with us, if he loves us to the ever end, to, to, the, to the very infinity degree, so also does he have a plan for you and me. And if he's got a plan for you and me, we need to find out what that is and get engaged. Because I'm going to tell you that once we find out what that plan is, hint, hint, the way is a man. Once we find out what that plan is, that's where you're going to find your joy. That's the foundation. Everything else actually lends itself towards emptiness. There's some great things in life, but nothing as great as him. So point number one, and I have all the verses in the study guides, too, okay? So they're all there, everything right there. Point number one, God made us for his glory and for our joy. God made us for his glory and for our joy. This is actually just a little bit of a repeat from day number one, but why did God create the world? He created the world for the praise of his glory, the glory of his grace, as displayed supremely for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus in the death and resurrection of his son. The glorious thing, everything. All the things revolve around him and his glory. We need to know this. So in Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, God says, As truly as I live and as the earth, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. There's even a verse, we sing about it sometimes, it's kind of this obscure thing, but it makes me wonder what it's going to be like, like if it's going to be like Narnia, where it says the trees of the field will, will like clap with joy over the Lord. 
I'm just wondering, like, I think it's going to happen. You know, are there going to be, like, ants or whatever that, like, yeah, the Son of Glory has come. In fact, in the book of Romans, it actually says the whole creation knows more than a lot of human beings that it's groaning, longing for the redemption that's coming in Christ. That there's this uh, labor that's going on in the creation waiting for restoration and reformation that only the Son of God can do. And listen, he made everything out of nothing with a word. With a word, people. I mean, I don't know how many words I'm going to speak today. One word from the Lord. Everything changes. By the way, that happens for you and me, too. He speaks a word in our lives. Crazy. Isaiah chapter 43. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. Again, purpose. Why? Created for God. Not for myself. Sin has distorted that. We're getting back to what God is saying about our purpose for us. And then again, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Failure to get a wrong view of God will result in powerless, anemic living. Failure to understand these truths and to let them fold into our lives is going to lead to you not using muscles which God has given you to use and they're going to atrophy and you won't be able to lift anything at all. Failure to get this right will result in powerless living. God's pursuit of us proves his desire for us to know him. The whole story from the beginning to the end. I, why are you wearing fig leaves? Why are you doing that? Did you do what I told you not to do? Okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go get an animal, and I'm going to kill it. And then I am going to cover your nakedness, which you shouldn't even know was nakedness, but I'm going to cover it with animal skins rather than fig leaves. Thus begins the story, and it goes all the way, and it's not over yet. Jesus restoring and fixing what we lost and bringing even something greater in the end. Do you know why I say that, by the way? I don't know if I told you that. When the Sadducees came to Jesus, who didn't believe in the resurrection, they were trying to get the Lord, like, and so, I mean, let's try and get him caught into something so we could stone him, right? Do you really believe in the resurrection? And, and uh, Jesus actually breaks them out. I love that verse. In fact, we talked about it last week at youth group where, where Jesus said, haven't you read your Bible, the Bible that you're trying to beat me up with? Haven't you even read it yourself? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were no longer breathing in physical bodies, but God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thus, they are very much still alive. They do not cease to exist when their bodies stop breathing. The fact that you don't believe that proves that you don't believe the very word that you're trying to beat me up with, right? Pretty crazy stuff. But he's been pursuing us from the very beginning. The epic tale, it's not over yet. There's more to come. And in that story, he says that in the resurrection, we won't even be married, right? 
So in the Garden of Eden, were they married? Yeah. So what Jesus is doing is even better than that. You with me? He's not going to give us less. He's going to give us more. That's how generous our God is. It's going to be crazy. Actually, I think that was the marriage probably. This is me just being subjective. The marriage of Adam and Eve, and thus the marriage of that, if you've been married, that you and I experience, and the joy in that covenant agreement that we make with one another is just a lamb. It's a type of the marriage that's coming between us and God. And we, that's like some of the greatest joy that we have on earth. And I'm telling you, it's still just a lamb in comparison with Jesus on the cross and then the empty tomb. It's a picture. It's a beautiful picture. One of the most glorious pictures that we have of his love for the world, okay? And people are getting married all over the place. That in and of itself is actually the gospel. We're preaching the gospel to ourselves. We don't even realize it. It's crazy. Okay, Jesus purchased all of this. If God did not spare his own son, how also will he not with him give us all Things, all things. If God is for us, who can be against us? All right? Point number two. God is serious about our joy. And when I say serious, again, like, he defines it. He defines passion. He defines pursuit. He defines relentlessness. He does not give up, and he never fails. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He never fails, ever. The Bible is completely devoid. That means that there is nothing at all in any of these 66 manuscripts at all. Not one thing in here. But there's a lot to prove what I'm about to say. That self-help works. Okay? There is not anything in here that says that self-help is going to change me at all. It's not in any of the book. In fact, from beginning to end, it says something entirely different. The Bible is completely devoid of any conclusion of self-help. The scriptures paint the picture of an eternal power that we do not have access to, that Adam and Eve did have access to, that we need access to. I actually call it the alien invasion. Yeah. Except that's not totally true. I was talking with Charlotte about this this week. It's actually not so much an alien invasion, and I'll tell you why I say it that way. Uh, it's more like a homecoming than an alien invasion. He's not really alien. He's our home, but he's returning. But the reason why I say that is I was working once when I was a little bit younger, something like uh, 20 years ago, and this guy came up to me and he was like, at work, he's like, do you believe in UFOs? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you believe in aliens? And I'm like, yes, I believe in aliens. In fact... And I was just like this. I'm like, in fact, I know an alien. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I thought I was like one of the only people. I'm serious. This really went on. I'm like, no, 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 no. I met a person who was from above and came down. And I met him. And then he went back to where he was at. 
but he's coming back. And I'm part of his club. I'm getting in. You in? You want to get in? You want to? <laughs> it was a great conversation, right? So Jesus, so, so Jesus says, I am from above and, and you are from below. You are from the earth. I am not of the earth, even though he was born into humanity, right? What's he talking about? I got something that you need. You need me. You need me. That actually was true. That actually did happen. All right. So uh, everything that God does is glorious, beautiful, and a holy work to prepare humanity to be invaded and indwelt by something beyond ourselves, devoid, people, of self-help. We need this alien invasion. We need this. We need this restoration. We need this homecoming. The incarnation of Jesus, the atonement of Christ, our justification, and our regeneration is all about the alien invasion so that we can live in a way that we never were capable of living before. In crazy ways. Doing crazy things for a crazy, limitless God. And it's not you or me. It's Him doing something in us. In fact, uh, Paul put it this way. I don't have this verse on the reference, but uh, he said, it is no longer I who live. For I have died, and now it is Jesus who is alive in me. An invasion, not self-help. Regeneration for the glory of his name, for the purpose of his church, for loving the world. Here are some verses. I love this. John chapter 16. There's so much more. There's like series and series and series on this. John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, that I embrace the cross, that I embrace the Father's will, that I take it on myself, that I allow myself to die, and then I raise myself back up to life. It is to your advantage that these things happen, even though for a season you will be sorrowful. Because if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Yes! Sometimes we need to be willing to let go of things so that we can get something better back. And Jesus, this is one of those examples. You need to let me go. I love that picture. In fact, I, was, I think I was talking with Tammy after last week. Like I think that when Jesus like, released His Spirit... And he actually said, today you will be with me in paradise. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, said that he went to Hades. He actually went to Hades. It's in the Apostles' Creed. There's a lot to this that I can't take the time to explain. But it actually says, you will not abandon my soul to Hades. Okay. And so I say that when he came, when when it was finished, when he said it is finished, it makes me wonder if his words did not reverberate into the area where where the souls of those that have departed are at. And he came into that place like a flood. And he's like, I'm here. And it is done. And three days and three nights later, it's time for me to go. And they're just like, yes. This stuff is happening, people. It's happening. And then the beautiful picture, the simple little tiny beautiful picture of Mary in the garden 
weeping over the loss of Jesus, seeing the gardener, what have you done with his body? What have you done with it? I just want to love on him, even though he's gone, even though we have lost him. What have you done with it? Mary. Rabboni. Don't cling to me. Don't cling to me too hard yet. I haven't even gone up yet to see Dad. And I'm going up there, and then I'm going to ask him to send the helper. You need to let me go so that something greater can happen. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Promise. I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I'm not going to go into that last verse, but I have to throw that in there because this is so critical because there's a lot of stuff going on in there that you all know that he'll uh, illuminate. But the point I'm trying to get at is he is going to send an alien invasion into the world for his believers. Point number two, Acts 1.8. You know this one. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even until the very ends of the earth. Yes, even McHenry, Illinois in the United States, Crystal Lake and all the other places, Wisconsinites, where you have come from. Witnesses, power for you to witness to the world the testimony of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.18 And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But I want you to be, rather than getting drunk, to be filled with the Spirit. You know, it's really interesting that the filling of the Spirit, that the metaphor that God actually picks most frequently for the filling of the Spirit is drunkenness. Like, it's actually several places in the New Testament. It's not just one place. It's in several places. At the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit fell on the people, and they're like, dude, those people are up on something. They've been drinking. Those people have been drinking something. And they're like, no, brothers and sisters, we haven't been drinking. It's an alien invasion. (laughs) It's Jesus in the Spirit of God. Come, do not get drunk with wine. Actually, I think drunkenness is actually a... uh, a negative archetype, kind of, of what spirit-filledness really is. It's actually, it's actually a false lie. But remember, Satan is really deceitful, and so he actually gets pretty close to the truth in many areas. That's where deceit really locks in and confuses us. And I think it's a lie for spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled living. Okay. Galatians 5, 22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. God is a fruit farmer. And he wants fruit all over the earth. So he comes up with this incredible epic plan. And rather than just giving it to a few, he comes up with a way of actually embedding fruit in all of his followers around the world. Not just one Jesus, but billions of him. Replicated everywhere. Not you. Not me. I have died. It is no longer I who live. I was buried with him through baptism into death. 
but I have also been raised with him in the newness of life. And I have received his grace and his spirit. He fills us. He controls our lives. The spirit of God is a person, not an it. He has emotion. He has a will. He has desire. He has the ability to communicate to you and to me. He is the Lord. Actually, I was going to do this, but I don't have it on the thing. So like back in the, remember we did this on the first day, in the back of the hymnal, like I think it's like 517 or 717. Let me see if I can get it there. Here it is. And I believe, Nicene Creed, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. He is not less than Jesus. God does not give us less. He doesn't give us a budget plan, all right? It's not a generic grocery. It is Him. It is Him in all of His presence, manifested throughout all the earth as an aroma, declaring His praise. God reflecting Himself through His church throughout all the world. The Spirit fashions us to see the needs of others in the way that he wants us to. Hey, you guys want to have fun for a second? All right, so you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but let's, this is an illustration. So we did this at uh, Vacation Bible School. In the front of your uh, chairs, there's a balloon. So, like, uh, grab a balloon out, and then we're going to blow them up. But just blow it up and just hold it, okay? Just blow it up and hold it. Oh, if you need a pump, because your lung capacity... Like, if you need a pump, we have pumps, too. Like, if you need one. Like, if anyone needs a pump. The real, the real thing that's going to mess with you guys is... Did Jesus actually tell him to do this, or did he come up with this on his own? <laughs> Put it down there. All right, ready? You guys ready? You got your balloons? All right. Human beings are made in the image of God. We are incredibly creative. We have, even without the Spirit of God, we have the ability to do some pretty cool things, even good things from time to time. But we're not very focused in life all the time, Right? We have, a, we have a lack sometimes. We don't always see, and, and we're messy, and we're disheveled, and we don't always get our hair done correctly, and we end up spending energy and time in ways that we don't... Oh, that's okay. Hey, we got more. We got more if you need another one. I figured that might happen. So we, 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 have, we, have, uh, we have tendencies to actually get messed up. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our balloon, and there's no kids up here, but that's okay, right? Because we're all kids. We're, we're, but yeah, sometimes you need to get young again, okay? And we're actually not that old in comparison to Jesus. We're like, we're just babies. All right, ready? On the count of three, we're just going to let all these bad boys go. Ready? One, two, three. Yay! All right. And it's down. All right, here we go. All right, ready? I'm going to explain this in a second. All right, ready? Let it go. This is what the Spirit of God does. Hello. You with me? You with me? All right. So, so I say that that human beings 
are incredibly uh, gifted and creative and beautiful, even without an alien invasion. But the problem is we're like those balloons. We blow all of our energy into these balloons, and then we're like, let's just let it go into the world. And we don't really always accumulate in very meaningful ways that last for eternity. Some of them are very beautiful. Music and art and painting and, and, and writing and words and thoughts and philosophies and thinking. Things that are all pictures of God. But we need to focus, people. We have limited time. We need to focus. The alien invasion brings that focus, just like that. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And not only that, but I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to energize your lives so that you don't waste a minute of it. You don't waste a minute of it. We're not just going to fly around in little circly balloons. We're on a purpose. We're on a mission. We have a plan. He's got a plan. Our plan is to rest in him. And then he takes us and does crazy things with our lives. Stuff that you would never even imagine. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes he's doing things through your life that are making an impact, if you're a believer, for eternity, and you don't even know that he's doing it. You don't even know it. You don't even see it at all. Which is sometimes good for us. But it's happening. Alright, point number three. The gifts of the Spirit... It's the alien invasion. It's his presence in his church for us to be able to love. To love one another and to love others, even those that don't love us or him. It's an empowerment in such a way that it makes us do crazy things sometimes. Even things that don't make any sense to others at all. Why would you do that? That just doesn't make any sense. Why are you spending your money on that? Why are you going to those people? Don't you realize how dangerous it is in that airport, in that town? Don't you know that they hate you? Why would you go there? Why would you do that? And I say that it's because of this. A presence and power available, limitless, because it's not what he gives, it's him himself, for us to love. Primarily, that's what spiritual gifts are about. At their essence, at their essence, it's the glorification of God in and through the powerful presence of the Spirit in the church so that the church can do what we could not do on our own, which is love the unlovable. That's what the gifts are about in their essence. They come in a whole bunch of different varieties, though, because our God is crazy. I go to Joseph's in Crystal Lake. Have you guys ever been there? Like sometimes, I'll ask you, like sometimes I like to go in there with Reg because it's like a worship service going in there. Have you ever gone to their produce section? There's, like, junk in there. I'm like, how can you even eat that? What is that? Like, did someone just, like, pick that up off the ground and just, like, what? Like, oh, this looks like something to eat. I mean, I would never even eat that at all. Why would you do that? There's stuff there that I've never even seen. And yet it's food. And people are like, 
yeah, that's awesome. You need to, you need to like, you got to cut it in this particular way. And if you do that, it's just amazing, though. You got to eat some of it. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. I'm in. I'll try anything once. I actually don't like peas, but sometimes I eat peas. <clears throat> and the reason why I eat peas, even though I don't like them, is so that I can taste them and be like, these things are so gross and disgusting and mushy. Thank you for giving me taste buds and textures and other things, but I'm not going to eat it again for a little while. You see what I'm talking about? Like, we need to try things from different... First Corinthians chapter 12. There's actually two 12s and two 4s where primarily, and I, I, I'm actually not, like, I'm not at all. I'm a charismatic with the seatbelt on. And uh, so they, um, so they, I actually don't think that any of what God does ends ever. In fact, I think he's going to get just greater and greater and greater. So I don't even like to limit him at all. But two 12s, two 4s. Two First Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, which I think are more ministries than gifts. And then uh, um, I think it's First Peter chapter 4, where Peter just says, all the gifts of the Spirit can be lopped into two groups, serving and speaking. And then, and then in, tw- in 1 Corinthians 12, lots of stuff. And in Romans chapter 12, seven of them listed off right there. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. No? Really? Okay. Now, there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. And there are a variety of effects, but the same God. Are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? I'm seeing the Trinity. Are you seeing the Trinity? The spirit gives gifts. The son of God gives ministries, but the father makes the effects happen. You with me? Even Jesus was like, my sheep will hear my voice, all whom the Father has given unto me. The Spirit gives gifts. Jesus appoints you and me to ministries. And the Father makes the effects happen. Spirit gifts. Jesus ministries. Father effects. Okay? Listen. You can have a mercy gift, and it's to kids. That's because the Spirit gave you mercy, and Jesus appointed you to love mercifully in kids' lives. Or maybe he's, Jesus has appointed you to go to nursing homes. You with me? Ministries. Jesus' appointment. Same gift, different groups. Have you ever been like, I'm a teacher? Not me. I'm not a teacher, by the way. Uh, I'm a teacher, but I only teach uh, adults. I can't talk to three-year-olds. But there's some downstairs right now that are loving on our kids. Jesus called them to that. That's a ministry with a spiritual gift empowerment. And the effects in the life of my daughter are up to God. I love that. I love that people are loving my daughter down there and that she's experiencing God down there in and through people's lives. So Romans chapter 12, we have different gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace that is given to us. And there's seven that are listed here. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. That's one. Two. If it's serving, let him serve. Three. That's two. Three. If it's teaching, let him teach. Four. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. Five. If it's contributing to the needs of others, that's giving, let him give generously. Six. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Or seven. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So I have a thought. Not an inspired thought, but this is what I think. 
I think that originally the Spirit of God controlled our spirits, which controlled our minds, and that influenced what we did with our bodies. I think that when our dad ate that piece of fruit, everything got turned upside down. Our spirit, our God consciousness, actually ended up getting cut off, which we needed the alien invasion to come back home through Jesus and through God, and then our minds now are being influenced by our bodies instead. You don't have to go very far on the internet to realize that a lot of humanity is driven by the needs of physical, they're not even needs sometimes, it's actually just desires, driven by desires of the physical. But God is returning us back into the other way. So primarily, I actually think that our giftedness is when you walk in the spirit-filled way, is I believe that God, through the mind of Christ, probably in one of these seven areas, lets you see needs to explode love into the lives of other people. You with me? Like, you have the ability to look at this altar from an angle. And some people that have, like, a prophetic gift are all about, I need to go and talk to them. They don't even care about people as much as they care about truth. I'm going to, you know what, that person, they just need to know more about what the Bible says. And if they did, their lives would be changed. I don't care if it hurts. They need to hear it, all right? They need to hear it. And then the person that's mercy is like, what are you, a nut? It's like the other end. Don't go in there like a bull in a china shop. This person needs a hug. They don't need another scripture verse in their face. Do they need both? Yeah, they need both, actually. So uh, people with serving, they see practical needs. They help others to do things. They have a real problem in saying no. Because they're like, I think Jesus has told me to to add like number 17 to the list that I need to get done uh, uh, on Monday. And uh, they have a difficult putting effort. They put extra efforts in the tax. They like to meet needs. Teachers, I love teachers. They need to validate everything. I'm sorry, where did you hear that from? Um, What's your source? Uh, do you have more than three? Because, you know, the Old Testament says you need three witnesses. So I don't know if what you're saying is... Exa- so <laughs> they, need, they check out other teachers. They only rely on people that they can trust because they've already done their background checks. And some of the background checks for teachers are incredibly intense to pass, to be like, okay, you're passed. I'm going to pass you. Um, they present truth systematically. All right, they're like, they like to put things in order. It's got to be in order. Not, not all speakers actually do that, believe it or not. They gather facts. They're thorough. They're uneasy with subjective truth. I don't have a problem with that at all. I'll use balloons to say it's like God, right? So, all right, uneasy with uh, subjective truth. They like to clarify misunderstandings. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Let's just open up a couple verses because you might have some areas in your life that we need to correct. And if you had this little outline you would be able to then um, change appropriately your perspective in life and then live for God, right? So I love teachers. Don't you love teachers? Exhortation. Committed to spiritual growth, able to see root issues. They see steps to action. They're like hope givers. They come into a room and they're like, come on, man, we got this, right? They like to exhort the church. They're like the cheerleaders. They're like, you can do this. We got to do this. You, me, together. Let's go, Barnabas, right? Come on, we got this. We got this going on. Giving. They're just like, I'm going to give time. I'm going to give money. I got to give everything. You need to give more. If you're not giving, you're not in tune with the Spirit of God, right? They like to, they can visualize end results. 
They have, they're able to delegate, they make tasks, oh, this is leader, leadership, leadership administration. They can visualize stuff, they can say, all right, we need that person with prophecy over there, we need that leader right there, we need that service person right there, and they put them all together in a way, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, fruit is happening. A ministry just was planted. A ministry was planted. And then mercy, deeply loyal, deep friendships, emphasis, they empathize with hurting people, they're sensitive, they attract people in distress. They're like, I call them like HM magnets. I probably shouldn't do that, but they're, they like attract high maintenance people. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, they just, they, they, they just like, high maintenance people just attracted to people with mercy. And the people with mercy have all of what they need, even though you don't think they're like, dude, you're going to wear yourself out. You can't do that. You can't give that much. You don't know that they're asking for Jesus and he's got enough in me. And so they see needs and they react to them. So where you fall out at, there's other gifts, by the way. There's lots of them. Healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, word of knowledge. Those are all other things. I say that these are more motivational, like you see and you move into something. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, A.W. Tozer, I'm going to close with this. I'll be okay. A.W. Tozer said that if an archangel were to appear to you, with a 12-foot wingspan, and you were to ask them, how do I get filled with the Spirit? They would do no better than to give you these four verses. Ready? Number one, present yourself to God. Romans chapter 1, or 12. Present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Number two, ask. Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Luke chapter 11. What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it? Sometimes we don't want it, right? We're like, can you just stay in your box? I have something bad to do, and I know you're with me always, but... If you just stay in that little box right there for a little bit so I can accomplish my wrong thing that I want to do, please. And he's like, no. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right. Am I the only one that experiences this? All right, number three. You must be willingly obedient. Acts chapter 5. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Thus, you can't ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then go and hate on people, okay? You can't do that. You can't have rallies that hate people and say that you're doing it for God. Your God is not the God of the Bible, let me tell you that. Your God is a God who hates. And I only know one God that's like that. So don't use the God's name. That's what I'm telling you, right? Prophets, come on, you with me? Number four, you must have faith in God. Galatians 3.2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? All right? Present yourself. Ask Him to be filled. Be willingly obedient and do what the Spirit of God asks you to do and you will walk in the Spirit of God, which primarily allows us to love others with a love that we cannot experience on our own. Now listen, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. One time I was leading worship, and uh, it was at a school, no air conditioning, in a gymnasium, and uh, 
we, we would open up the doors and turn fans on in the summertime because it would get to be like, you know, 95, 100 degrees in there, you know, just we're just sweating, but loving on Jesus, right? So it was a really powerful service. And at the end of the service, you know, we're all like, there's like people that are like, God has set me free from cocaine addiction this week. And we're just, I mean, it was just glorious, right? It's like his presence and power was magnificent in that place. And we're just, we're loving him. And I'm, so we come up and we're, we're starting our worship set, you know, so we're playing some music. And people are worshiping. Some people are standing with their hands up. Some people are literally prostrate down on the floor, like on the ground and stuff. And, and we're just playing some music. We're like, oh, God, move in our lives. God, move in our lives. Do it. And I'm getting ready to sing. And I open up my mouth to take a breath to sing. And a bug flew in my mouth. I'm telling you. All right, I'm telling you. And it was big. It wasn't a little one. And I was like, I could feel it. It was crawling on the side of my cheek, inside. And I'm like, Jesus, I knew you have control over that bug. <laughs> We're going to have a talk later, right? And so I'm like, I look out and everyone's just like worshiping God. And what do I do? I do what every lover of God would do in that situation. I bite down on that bug. <laughs> it actually popped. That's how big it was. It was like it was like juice in my mouth, all right? Nobody knew what Jesus asked me to do in that moment. All right. In fact, I don't even know if I've ever really shared this story at all. But you need to hear it because, because sometimes he asks us to do things that are not always pleasant. However, he gives us the empowerment and the joy to accomplish it through an alien invasion. And the Holy Spirit helped me chew on that bug and swallow it. No one knew the sacrifice, all right? You with me? All right. Don't waste your life. Do not waste your life. The way you ensure that you do not waste your life is you commit your way to him. Ask him to fill you. By the way, if you, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I just got to say it right now. Get in right now. What are you waiting for? Like, I'm telling you, no one ever who made a commitment to Jesus is like, sorry, okay? It's better than any excitement sport that you can ever ask for. It's not easy. But you're going to see incredible things happening around you and through you. Confess your sin unto him. Express your need. And Christian, this is for us too. It never really ends. We love the story. Fall upon him. Present yourself. Ask him to fill you. Believe that he did. And obey. And do what he asks you to do. You will not be sorry. You will be able to love others with an infinite love that knows no bounds, because it's him through you. Amen? Father, we give you praise. Put our balloon on a mission. Individually and corporately, we ask it for the glory of your name. Amen.